You're listening to a podcast series from Vietcetera Production. Vietnam is forecasted to be one of the fastest growing economies in Southeast Asia and the world. To understand the dynamics behind Vietnam's miracle growth, Vietcetera meets with business leaders every week to discuss the country's future growth prospects. We also learn about how they build and manage teams and why they think innovation will be key to Vietnam's role in the world order. For today's Vietnam Innovators, we speak to one of the leading voices of HR in Vietnam, Sakshi Jawa. After working in India, Singapore, the US and South Korea for big companies like Amazon and Kupang, Sakshi came to Vietnam in October 2018 to join Tiki as its chief people officer. At Tiki, Sakshi was responsible for building an end-to-end HR platform to hire and retain the best global talent. As a result, Tiki saw a growth of four times in the number of engineers. Sakshi is an award-winning executive for her work, including winning the best places to work in Asia and 100 best places to work in Vietnam awards multiple times. Now, Sakshi has launched her own tech company called Startup Oi, a platform which will build a network for software engineers in Asia and beyond. Join us as we talk about people, culture, motivation, learning and adapting as a global people leader. So hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining this episode of Vietnam Innovators. I am the guest host for today. My name is Dan. I'm the CEO of Dreamplex. And I'm here with our very distinguished guest, Ms. Sakshi Jawa, previously from Amazon, Coupon, Tiki, and now Startup Oi. Um, what that means, we're going to hear today. Uh, but first, let me say welcome to our podcast, Sakshi. Thanks, Dan. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for calling me. Well, our pleasure, and I'm sure everyone is very excited to uh, to hear more about your new venture. But before we uh, before we dive in, um, you know, this uh, the theme of this podcast, the theme of this show is uh, innovation, um, and usually innovation and people aren't quite used in the in the same sentence. There seems to be something quite traditional um, about uh, about people people operations HR, um, as uh, some may still call it. When you're looking back. Uh, at your time in different people roles, um, how do you kind of see innovation and HR work together? Well, um, when I look back in my roles in HR, and if I talk about innovation, innovation for me is not always getting something which is out of the blue. Innovation can be something which, you know, the organization starts working towards to deliver better to get better results, right? Uh, So if I look back in HR and think about it, for me, innovation would be how do we create an environment which actually makes employees just not come to work, do their day-to-day job, or just log on to the laptop in the current remote times, uh, but also think about what they they want to do differently, right? So if if that's the case, it comes back to how do you encourage it in, in terms of processes, in terms of policies? The few things which, you know, I have worked with big companies like Amazon and then uh, Coupang was somewhere in the middle where when I joined, Coupang was not as big as it, was, it is now. And then Tiki, when I joined, was just the, close to 1,000 employees at that time. So innovation can mean very different things in these kind of companies. In Tiki, innovation, I would say, may even mean just designing OKRs for the employees in which some OKRs basically mean just do something different from what you're doing every day. 
and we will actually uh, count it as one of the things which which really matter in your performance. Uh, innovation in Coupon can really mean just making the processes better, uh, which can also be more from picking up industry best practices and being able to implement them and also seeing the result. Uh, innovation in Amazon, which is already a big company, very famous for innovation, can just also mean sometimes very small ideas, very, very small things which you just get together and build efficiency around. So as a HR people, uh, we, we innovate as well, but at the same time, we try to build platforms which will encourage employees to innovate. Uh, it may also go to how we are defining the culture. Have we defined a culture where people are okay to make mistakes, where people are okay to go beyond what they are doing and do something different? So if we are not actually fostering that culture and just saying innovation, I mean, we are probably not following what we want to do. So innovation comes with a lot more than just saying, you know, uh, innovate something. It also comes by saying, be okay to fail, be okay to make mistakes, be okay to keep trying again and again. So how do we make sure that we actually foster that culture? And I wouldn't say that every organization is ready for it. So mm. it is up to us to make sure that uh, people are aligned, senior leaders are aligned, that they're ready for it. And if they're not ready for it, I don't say there is anything right or wrong, right? That's how the culture is. So we should not try to go beyond and saying we still want to do that. We need to get people to go along with, yeah. with, with what needs to happen. So yeah. for me, um, you know, uh, that's what innovation stands for. Uh, and in my previous role in Tiki, even for my own team, if I can talk about my own team on how I would have expected them to innovate, we had, you know, we built OKRs where I left two OKRs to them to say, you figure out which is not your job. I want you to do something different beyond your job, and that's going to be your OKR. So you figure it out. So people were forced to think about it. But at the same time, I also made sure that I don't really like, you know, shove it down their throats because yeah. we need workers. I think we spoke about it in a previous discussion as well. We also need people who can just work, right? Yeah. And who can just execute and deliver results. Mm -hmm. So we should leave it somewhere to the employees to also decide what they want to innovate. There, there was something really interesting there where you said that, you know, it's up to us, right? It's up to the leaders to, to kind of set the stage for innovation. Um, so who would you say typically in a company owns, owns innovation? Everyone. Uh, Every I, would not, <laughs> I would not really, I, I would not really just bring it down to one person. Mm. I would actually bring it down to that. If that is the value a company has, that needs to be cascaded and owned by everybody. Mm. Uh, if that's not a value that the company is looking at this point of time, uh, then it doesn't go to anybody. I cannot say that only the C-level says, hey, we are going to innovate. And then we don't give people, you know, that accountability to innovate as well. So the, the accountability lies on everybody in the team. And uh, how you stitch it all together, mm. maybe, maybe, you know, the job of not one person, but it is a job of the entire senior leadership team to be able to make it, you know, stitch together and cascade it down. Even if one of the leaders is not aligned, uh, we would fail at innovation, right? We would fail. We will confuse employees. We will we will not reward innovation. So it has to be a joint effort of senior leaders, but it needs to be cascaded in the right way, in a measurable way, in a way where uh, it is also rewarded. So the senior leaders really have to be together. They have to be aligned in what kind of innovation initiatives are being launched. But then at the same time, you're also really counting on your employees to be the ones to actually then make it happen. 
I don't think about innovation as energy. Yeah, it, it cannot be the innovation initiatives. Initiatives can come, it can be bottoms up or it can be top down. Mm-hmm. For the senior mm-hmm. leadership, it is more important to set that culture and context of innovation. They don't have to innovate everything themselves. They have to just, you know, give encouragement and explain what innovation means. And mm-hmm. innovation is a two-way street. It can be bottoms up, it can be tops down. So it's only creating that safe framework where people are allowed to experiment and experiments may go wrong and it's okay. So they need to create that framework. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned something really interesting there where, you know, like to innovate or to make companies more innovative, you also really need to focus on the culture to make it okay to fail so that people actually experiment. You said, even in your own team, you're asking people do something that you normally wouldn't do. What, what do they say? How do they respond to that? Hiện nay, Vietcetra Store đã mở bán các sản phẩm trong bộ sưu tập Daily Vietcetra thiết kế bởi chính đội ngũ nhà chúng mình nhằm phục vụ cho các hoạt động thương nhật của bạn. Nếu bạn là khán giả trung thành và yêu mến nội dung của Vietcetra thì đừng bỏ qua các sản phẩm này nhé. Xem thông tin chi tiết và đặt mua các sản phẩm tại website store.vietcetra.com hoặc nhấp vào đường link ở phần mô tả để đến cửa hàng trực tuyến của Vietcetra. It's a mixed bag. So, uh, you know, three years back when I joined Tiki and I wanted people, I, I came and said, okay, you work in compensation. Why don't you go and do something in recruitment? And people are like, what's wrong with you? Like, I, I, I am a compensation person. But, you know, then I realized that we were working a lot in silos. People don't have context. Uh, yeah. People don't understand what other functions do. And that is why they are having these issues. A bigger problem I realized then was that we are HR professionals sometimes saying it's okay not to understand the work. It's mm. okay to just go into a tech company or a pharma company or an FMCG work company. I just have to do the same work everywhere. That's not true. As right? long so as you if, do your HR role, correct. you're okay. You don't have to understand the context. Yes. So that as long as difficult. So so that was that is the case sometimes done, right? And I would not say I was beyond it, right? I, I remember my first job in HCL. I, I just knew that I have to do AR. Sometimes I have to learn and do learning and development. Sometimes I have to do recruitment. I never thought it was important for me to really, you know, understand the business and understand what is going on in the business at a more mm. than just a customer level, right? Uh, at, a, at a customer level, I understood what they do, but at an employee level, for me, it was all about all just mm. HR. Right. So so going back to to my team, uh, you know, in the three years we did OKR settings, I think a lot changed from there where people started telling me that I want to do something in this team, you know, while I'm doing this, but I want to go and do this. And sometimes they even said, I want to go and, you know, work with the business. I want to do a business mm. analysis role with the business. Mm. So I think it's it's a learning process uh, and it got us there uh, where people learned. But When you are starting a culture of innovation in your own teams, we have to be patient. We can't just think that it's a magic wand. I said, you know, do it. And, and innovation, as I said previously, does not really mean thinking something completely out of the box, which nobody's doing. It yeah. may be actually just taking an idea from somewhere and, you know, just replicating it. Uh, and how the results show can be, can be, you know, amazing. Not every innovation has to be, you know, I just thought about it and that's how it is. It can just be copied as well. 
yes, we cannot all invent the iPhone every single week. There has to be small, like sort of like innovation with a lo lowercase i, right? And, and you mentioned also about, you know, when you were trying to maybe three years ago, introduce some of these things to your team where you said, I have a great idea for you. You're going to move from CMB uh, into yeah. recruitment or into employer branding. And then it didn't quite work out. Uh, is that uh, something that worked really well in other markets or in other companies that just happens to not work in Vietnam? Or is this something uh, that's uh, that's a, a broader issue? I, I, I think it's more... Um... How do I put? It's more probably the maturity level of the company. I think in big companies, people do, you know, keep moving jobs and the jobs keep evolving. Even if they're not moving, they get more into like, you know, bigger roles. Mm. Uh, in a growing company, sometimes uh, it's it's harder. It's harder. Tiki is a relatively younger company as well. So, uh, you know, those roles sometimes did not exist. So they were very, very like fuzzy. So if you just try to put people in the roles they thought that yeah, this this I have not, never done this before so yes I have observed that in other cultures I work globally I have observed that but uh, the it I, I I I think it is more dependent on the stage that the company is at mm. like uh, you know with Amazon or when I was with Prudential because in Prudential I was in a global role where we were supposed to switch countries and roles every two years, it was okay, right? Like it was okay because that was what we signed up for and it looked all right. Mm. Uh, but when you are building a culture from top, uh, you know, top down, I think it's harder for people to say, why, why should I do this? Like if I'm in recruitment, why should I go and work for the business? Like why mm. should I rotate my job? So I did see that hesitance and I don't hear a lot in general, where people are saying job rotations, I want to move jobs, give me something where we can move faster. In 18 yeah. months, I want to move into a new role. So I guess that will come. That will come. Whereas in certain uh, roles in my in my past, I have actually mm. seen the other way around, where in the 15th month, people are asking me, what's my next role? What's my next role? What am I right, supposed to do? Right. I'm bored. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, I've done this for a year now. Come yeah, on, like there must yeah. be something else out there for me. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So it's I think it's the stage of the company as well. And it's a stage of uh, exposure as well. So so mm. I guess we've reached that stage here. So I guess now people would want to switch into different roles, understand different roles. But we are always open to people being passionate about saying this is what I want to do. And I just don't want to do anything else. So that's OK as well. Yeah, it's it's OK. It's almost something you really want to embrace because it does kind of like keep things new within the company and does drive that sort of sense of like all getting better together. Um, so you mentioned a, a couple of uh, uh, names there, companies that you've worked for before would be actually, you know, really great to hear a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned them at the beginning as well, a long career behind you with some yes. really, really impressive names. Um, so I just wanted to like, throw a couple of those names out there and ask you, you know, in that role, in that country, in that company, you know, what was that like? Uh, what was maybe a large challenge there or something that you've learned specifically from that that you still take along with you as you're now um, in your in your new role as a, as a founder and CEO? Um, and I want to start with Amazon, purely yeah. out of my own curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I had worked with tech companies, but Amazon was one of my, you know, big tech companies, which I joined. Uh, I would still tell you the first day I met the head of HR, uh, I called Amazon is an IT company. And he told me, never say IT. It's a tech company. <laughs> never use that word again. So, you know, that still stuck with me that there is a difference when you say IT company and a tech company. IT okay. company is more of like, 
related to maybe you know outsourcing or and tech companies companies building products so yeah. that has stuck to me i think mm-hmm. it's still mm-hmm. interchangeable in in a lot of cultural context it's still mm-hmm. interchangeable but that's something i remember on day one where i'm thinking oh my god what did i do right mm-hmm. so the the things which i learned in amazon and i still you know grasp them is uh, the biggest thing i learned was being vocally self critical uh, i come from india my education has been in india uh, and i think that holds true for a lot of asia as well where in our schooling system we are only taught to think say we are so awesome we 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 do great things we are never supposed to come back and say i messed up this is a mistake so mm. amazon had a leadership principle vocally self critical and you know that was emphasized and hammered all the time so that vocally self critical meaning yes. being self critical is not enough you have to be vocal about it too yes correct and, and how is how is that practiced uh that is practiced by like if people you know we get into a meeting and somebody is messed up people can just say yeah you know just be vocally self critical and tell us or in the interview process where we actually ask people tell me the biggest career mistake you made and the company suffered because of that i still ask that question by the way wow. uh the reason being that i realized that being being able to do that actually is being able to you know learn more because till you mm-hmm. admit your mistake and know that i did not do it right you'll never learn more if you just keep saying oh this happened because covid happened or this happened because my subordinate did not do the job so mm-hmm. uh one thing i definitely learned is that accountability and being vocally self critical is something which will get you know which will build a process of going up and it's not something which really like i don't think any of us in the world probably would would be able to say i never did a mistake in my career right so being able to actually say it out aloud actually is takes a lot of confidence and guts so once mm. you start practicing that i think that it opens a lot more doors to uh, more learning and being having an ability to fail get up and start all over again so amazon really taught me that uh vocally self critical i just really yeah. love that term because there's there's so much in that terminology vocally yeah. self critical is is it almost like being self aware but but one level up it's yes. not enough to be self aware you have to be self critical it's not enough to be self critical you have to be vocally self critical yes yes so that but that all, was... but all in the context of learning all in the context of understanding you know where you've learned something where you've experienced something that you can also grow also in the context of failing right like mm-hmm. if you don't admit it was a failure you'll continue to do the same thing rather than abandon it and start doing something else totally so true. you won't fail fast right mm-hmm. you won't fail mm-hmm. fast because you continue to do that right yeah so that was a big thing i learned in amazon another leadership principle which is very powerful in amazon is hire and develop the best and the definition mm-hmm. of hire and develop the best is like hire people better than you Mm. uh it seems uh, quite off because usually you know for us it's very very hard to accept that fact that how will i how will i hire somebody who's better than me i'm so awesome right uh but i realize that unless you hire people who are complementary to you unless you hire people who can do things better than you can do why are you mm. hiring them you can just do it on your own right like right. so you need that um to so spend time in who you hire is something which i really you know caught on to and i think it was it was very powerful for me in my future roles because whenever i was building a team which i had to do in kupang and in tiki mm. i was very patient to make sure that the people i hire are really having a skill set where i am challenged right where which which is something which they can definitely do much better than i can do mm. because 
I being vocally self-critical, I knew I can't do everything, right? So I need to have people complementary to my skill set. So Amazon taught me that very frankly. I think honestly, before that, I was more of like, I am insecure about hiring somebody who's going to be better than me. What if this person took my job, right? So as, uh, as, as everyone, not, yeah. not even just about take, taking your job, but I don't think anyone wants to look bad compared to someone else, right? I think we're always like measuring up ourselves against other people. We yeah. never want to look bad compared to someone else, especially not if that's someone that we brought in. Yes. And then people see that, hey, actually, like they're better at that part than, than, than you are. So that must have been, you know, when they first explained that concept to you, as with many culture things, typically you hear that and you say, okay, that's great, great company, blah, blah. But then you actually have to get into the habit of, of yes. embracing that, right? Yes. What, was that, what was that journey like? I don't think that was a hard journey done because why it wasn't hard is that when you start seeing that results, because if these people you, you, you hire are actually going to perform and ultimately accountability mm. is yours. So when they do best, yeah. you do better than them, right? Mm. Like you, and when they make mistakes, you are the one who is going to be accountable for it as well. So if you don't hire good people, no matter what they do, you hold accountability for that. So they are all your people, right? So I don't think it was difficult for me to grasp that concept once it was actually told and again and again told. When I started seeing the results, I really like, you know, embraced that and I understood why the stats. Mm. And it also challenges me as an individual because I know that the people who I have hired in my team will take up my role if I'm not able to really like, you know, be able to give them guidance and be able to like scale them up, give them a career as well as, you know, also keep making sure that I am growing, right? So it also gave me that grounding in terms of that there is no day where I can say, ah, I can just chill out. I've hired the best team, so they'll just figure it out themselves. I'm just going to dictate orders to them, right? I have to continuously strive to get better as well. Yeah, nothing, nothing pushes you to grow and develop like people, like really capable people around you who are all at the top of their game. You know, nothing pushes you more than that. Yes. And how did I embrace it? Because, you know, when we were working in teams and I saw people hiring wrong people and the consequences of hiring wrong people, uh, which I also did in my career, uh, mm. it ultimately backfires on you and only you. Right. Uh, and also, I, I, I always believe people are not good at or bad at work. Right. Mm. Uh, even in Amazon, we have example of people who were top talent in a certain role and then they did a job rotation and suddenly they became improvement needed, right? Mm. It's, not about, it's not about people are good or bad. It's about the right skill set, the right managers, how they can utilize their skills. And yeah. it's about the environment you create for them, right? Right, are so they set up for success? Yeah, so when I'm hiring people, I also need to evaluate those sets that whether I can actually set this person up for success in the yeah. future. And yeah. I hold accountability of getting this person leaving a job coming and working for me and yeah. then you know i just say sorry this doesn't work for you so I, I i amazon really taught me that that when i'm hiring people it's about i am taking the responsibility of these people so i better make the right decisions rather than taking a decision of saying i need two people otherwise i'm doing their job so let me just hire somebody right so i take a lot of time to actually hire people yeah, yeah, I can imagine that that now you're even even more critical knowing sort of not only what is the downside of not hiring the right person, but also you've seen those examples of where when the right person comes in, in the right role, in the right context, it can it can really be incredibly impactful. So 
it sounds like Amazon was a big learning experience. How, how much time did you spend at, at Amazon? Four years. Four uh, years. Acro okay. Across uh, Singapore and uh, India with some mm. time in North America as well. Incredible. A lot of learnings there. So th then we take a, a trip from Singapore, India, North America to Korea, where you worked at Kupang. Hiện nay, Vietcetra Store đã mở bán các sản phẩm trong bộ sưu tập Daily Vietcetra thiết kế bởi chính đội ngũ nhà chúng mình nhằm phục vụ cho các hoạt động thương nhật của bạn. Nếu bạn là khán giả trung thành và yêu mến nội dung của Vietcetra thì đừng bỏ qua các sản phẩm này nhé. Xem thông tin chi tiết và đặt mua các sản phẩm tại website store.vietcetra.com hoặc nhấp vào đường link ở phần mô tả để đến cửa hàng trực tuyến của Vietcetra. I would first want to give you the challenge I had in Amazon, which would be very unique as compared to uh, mm. what you would face in a lot of companies. And I'm sure what a lot of people who join Amazon really face that for the first six months. And I also had, uh, you know, so Amazon does not believe in PowerPoint presentations. Mm. Uh, and I still don't know how to do PowerPoint, by the way, because thanks <laughs> to Amazon, uh, it takes me a lot of time. So Amazon believes that PowerPoint do not give you a good context of what you're trying to explain. It's more about how you're presenting, what colors you put, what images you put, and it distracts people. Amazon believes in writing six pages and they have a certain way of writing six pages. You know, there are rules around it and then you have to have an appendix. No proposal can be more than six pages, should not be less than three pages. I don't know if they do that now, but that was supposed to be it. So that basically was more of like when you're presenting something, when you're proposing something or when you're doing something new, you need to know exactly what you're doing, right? Because yeah. people are going to come into the room, read that six pager for about half an hour and then just mm -hmm. shoot questions at you. So that basically means they're just not looking at a slide and the slide goes and they forget about it. So for me, for the first six months, my God, six pager right from grammatical errors to how to write those six pages to you know, how to present the data in those six pages to, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. Mm. I mean, if I look back at the biggest challenge I would have in my career, that's what it was because, mm. you know, you have ideas, but you don't think of everything else, right? You don't think of everything associated with that idea and six pager exactly sets you up for that. So, you know, even now in my career, sometimes when I meet ex-Amazonians and, you know, if you're talking about, they'll just tell me, write a two pager and show, I don't want to listen to this, just write a two pager. Right. So uh, that was six months was a big challenge for me in that way. But it also helped me to be able to go deeper into the problem statement and then come with solutions and impact uh, rather than, you know, just making a PPT and saying it looks nice and pretty and packaged. And then you'll think about whatever else is later. Right. So 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 it the six pager is so incredibly challenging. I completely understand also the benefit and the value of it and the impact that it can have. But it's so incredibly challenging to say, and I'm sure we've all been there where you have an idea and you kind of thought about kind of what you want to say and you put together a couple of the slides and you start presenting and maybe every now and then you lose your train of thought a little bit. Here, yeah. you really have to sit down and write down the entire narrative, have all the information ready and kind of like in your mind already go through what yes. would people be asking when they read this? How can I prevent them from asking that? How can I capture all the information? That must have been a huge learning curve, but at the same time, also something that you can now take with you. Yes. Um, and, and it must have helped a lot in terms of just thinking through things. Yes, it does. But yeah, I still look back where people picking on like grammatical errors and you know, number errors. 
so it was it was it was quite a challenge but i get i i do think that uh, practicing six pages or even two pages uh, even if you have to present a ppt to 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 whoever needs to to the audience i think that mm. itself gives you yourself a lot of clarity on uh, the thought process and how this is supposed to be done so i do take that challenge uh, as a learning uh, for the future and you know definitely implementing it in startup oi and whatever future assignments i took absolutely yeah it's it's it kind of keeps coming back again and again that one of the one of the really important skills for the 21st century is critical thinking and yeah. this is basically part of kind of forcing you to think critically because whatever you put on that page it better be good because right. you're going to present it to people who are going to pick it apart so it kind of forces you to really think through it yeah. put down the right story and at least feel kind of confident when you're when you're delivering it yes and after that execution becomes easier because you exactly know what you need to execute you know Ex- everything yes. is there so mm. yeah yeah so now can we take the trip from yes okay yes. so we leave the six pages behind us and we go to korea yes where you joined kupang how did you hear about it how did they pull you in did you have any doubts about moving to korea what was it like um key learning key challenge so uh how i moved to uh korea long story short is my now my husband that time my partner uh was getting a role as chief uh chief growth officer in kupang and um softbank is invested in kupang so just to remove the bias for hiring me they asked softbank to interview me without letting them know that this is where it is <laughs> uh so softbank basically interviewed me for kupang role and um yeah so so uh so i moved to kupang after that and kupang was relatively smaller then in terms of um you know uh hr was mainly payroll and uh, and uh, hiring and the recruitment team so a lot of processes needed to be built i would say for me the challenge was that this was my first time i was working with a still a company called a tech startup though it was not a startup it was relatively big but it was still a company which was still figuring out processes figuring out things and at, at least you didn't call it an it company <laughs> no 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 i don't do that anymore <laughs> yeah so uh you know in terms of that and for, it was also while i had while i had lived in vietnam for 2 years which which was very early in my career being in a non english speaking country but i was too too green that time right i was just 2 3 years old in my career and uh kupang was the first time when i was getting a leadership role in a country where english is not the first language there were a few challenges which i faced first was the ambiguity process where you know it's a tech startup so things start things move fast but things also change fast you have to leave some things and move to the second thing move to the third thing and that's when i realized that i actually like doing that uh, amazon had a flavor to it but kupang had a lot more flavor to it so i i liked it like you know i was not hung on saying i am working on this project so if it is not still relevant i still want to finish it no i would mm. just say okay whatever whatever is wanted we will just do that uh so that 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 was a good learning where you know uh, i i felt that uh, you don't have to see everything to a closure it has to be relevant right so if it loses the relevance you don't have to say because i worked on it i need i need to see closure you need to work and you know you need to work fast you need to be able to deal with the ambiguity mm. second thing is um in terms of uh, culture culture for me was different right uh, i was the only uh, expat in my whole team so uh, you know uh, understanding the nuances uh, understanding uh, where people are coming from 
also again uh, i had translators who helped me but a lot got lost in translation right mm. sometimes you don't read in between lines when translations are happening so i made those mistakes there which uh, you know i learned from that if we if you're dealing with the where translation is involved when we're dealing with people where translation is involved hire somebody who can actually support you and trust you to tell you in between lines as well which i did in tiki by the way so you know mm. so i made sure i did that in tiki mm. so that was there and what i learned in kupang which i hold true for my startup now is that kupang was very much particular at growth at at all cost how do you grow so every topic everything which came whether we were in hr or whether we were in business it was always about growth 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 uh that was new to me because in amazon we did not talk that much about growth because it was always taken for granted mm. uh so you know for me it was also about how you grow everything has to be thought through on how you would grow mm. so th- i take that learning back with me as well and what was what was the main challenge the main challenge i told you was culture people like for me i didn't know if what they're telling me and what translation i'm hearing is what they actually want or what yeah. is actually the meaning so for me yeah. it was uh it was quite challenging uh to 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 interpret in the right way because mm. you know wh- when you're working as managers or leaders there are a lot of things which you have to just interpret with the body language by the way people have been speaking what what they're saying and in general i felt that in korea it was more about saying what the boss wants to hear uh so so you know it was more of like getting that trust with them so yeah. to build that trust mm. with them took me a longer time than it would normally take because you know there was always a translation involved there was always a, and I always wanted to make sure that I am not showing a bias towards people who speak english and who don't speak english because they all belong to my team yeah. so my natural tendency would be to be able to you know earn that trust with the people who speak english because it's easy to translate it's easy to talk and people who don't and where i use translation so i always dealt with those challenges in making sure that i'm able to like balance that well uh i wouldn't say that i was able to do it 100% but i learned on the way i i learned quite a bit on the way incredible yeah i think that communication generally is already hard enough between people who speak the same language who come from a very similar <laughs> yes. culture that's already hard Now you're talking about people in a very different culture who may not even speak the language you're working through a translator. That's incredibly yeah. difficult especially when you're in a culture where the norm is to say yes boss you're a great boss and I love yes. what you I love this plan I love this idea we're going to run it and then maybe 3 months later you hear something from Yes that's true. the other direction. So that's true. So I started having my conversations more like say you know in the context of Yes, all this is awesome. Now just let's talk about what is not awesome, right? Like let's right. just talk about what you don't like so that we right. don't we get to the topic right away. So I learned I learned the trick of trick of trade and I guess people also learned how to how to work with me. So it's it's a mutual process. It's just not like me trying to learn everything. I think it's a yeah. mutual process as well. So it was quite an interesting journey, you know. I still uh, I I still have very fond memories of Kupang and South Korea. So yeah. Yeah, must have been a a great experience and obviously when we're talking about cultural differences and cross-cultural collaboration in a company that has growth at all costs brings us beautifully to Vietnam where you yeah. joined Tiki um how how many years ago? 3 3 less slightly shy of 3. <laughs> slightly slightly shy of 3 years ago you joined Tiki and at that point Tiki had how many employees? Uh close to around 1000. 
1,000. And where's Tiki yeah. now? So we touched around 4,000, I think, before COVID. Now we are also around, we, yeah, 3,500. I don't work with Tiki anymore, but yeah, Tiki is close to around 3,500 right now. So from 1,000 people to 3,500 people, 4,000 at the top over the course of two yeah. years. When we're talking about growth. There is yes. some serious growth there. So yes. share us a little bit about what that was like. Um, you had to probably set up a lot of processes, probably set up a lot of principles, even just fundamentals of HR. Um, what was that experience like and any key learnings from there? Well, uh, I did implement a lot of key learnings of what I talked to you about uh, from Amazon and Coupon. The number one thing was I did you make, did make everyone write six pages. No, no, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Uh, but in Coupang, we wrote six pages, by the way. So in Coupang, we still wrote six pages. Uh, in Tiki, we had to start a little bit more from the basics. Uh, so I, I took some of the learnings which I, I had in Amazon and Coupang and try not to make those mistakes I made. Uh, mm. And, uh, well, I, I obviously would have made more I took more learnings from Tiki as well. But the first thing was that I had to ramp up my team. I had to build a HR team in Tiki. And I made sure I took all the time I want to. Uh, I made sure that I'm hiring the right people. Mm. I made sure that, uh, you know, the people I'm hiring are ready to take up the challenge that is going to come for us uh, uh, in the future and not just hire right now to meet the needs of the current system. Uh, second is, I, I already said that I wanted to be more, uh, uh, you know, aware of the cultural nuances and I wanted to be more, uh, you know, understanding the cultural nuances. So I hired somebody who could help me with everything. I hired somebody who could trust me and I could trust her so that, you know, she could really translate sometimes on if I'm doing something which is not culturally right and mm -hmm. has like, you know, can just come and tell me don't do this, right? So yeah. I made sure I hired that person in the middle so that it helps me to be also able to learn the culture faster. Mm. Uh, so, yes, so we, I mean, there were challenges, but, uh, you know, we were starting from the scratch. So a lot of things I could just uh, pick up and put it in place and it helped, right? Mm. So uh, it was a fun journey. Uh, we had a lot of fun, I think, because I was able to hire most of the team myself. So I was able to really uh, get the people who can work with me uh, and, uh, you know, are excited about the same things and uh, are really looking for scale and growth. Uh, the challenge was uh, in terms of, you know, uh, I had not worked uh, yet with a company of size of Tiki where we are actually setting up processes from the scratch. So, you know, sometimes those mm. to, uh, to, to cascade them or to implement them take some cycles, like, you know, promotions just won't happen. You have to have measurable results. Um, compensation, there are compensation ranges. There is total comp ranges. There is a way we will structure performance management. There's a way we will structure job rotations. So there was a lot of change, right? So for a lot of change for a lot of people. So it was always not taken in the right light saying things were working before. Why do you want to come and change everything, right? So uh, I also had to sometimes step back and say, let it be gradual, let it be slow, let me mm. not try to put everything together out. So it met with some kind of challenges, which I would say every company would go through once they're scaling and people don't want to change processes, how they're running. So processes uh, uh, can become complicated or simplified, but yeah. people are used to certain kind of processes. Mm. So that that's where, you know, we had to climb some hills. 
and also take people along. Uh, it was more important that people buy into those things than saying, we're just doing it because they're telling us to do it. Yeah. Right. So a lot of communication was important. So there was, so we, we tried to communicate as much as possible, like run workshops, do as many workshops as possible. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, um, there are pains in the company, which is, which is grandfathering processes. So um, we tried to do the best we can. We tried to give individual attention to employees who were not happy with those processes. Mm. So yeah, so it was a learning experience for me as well that you just can't come and say, I'll cut, copy, paste, whatever I have learned from Amazon and Coupon and say, let's just do this. That doesn't work. That doesn't Did work. You kind you of, I mean, th that, that's something that I would be really interested in. Did you kind of go into Tiki thinking that I now have experience at all these other companies, not only Amazon, uh, and coupon, but all these different kind of companies, and I've learned a lot, and I'm now a very seasoned HR pro. This is just plug and play. I'm just going to roll out the things that I've learned and done. Did you kind of go in with that and then realize, no, or no, you no. kind of you were you were self aware enough, you were critically no. <laughs> done. I I went with that in coupon, and I knew I failed, so I did not do that again. <laughs> I failed very miserably in coupon after saying ah, I can just go and copy paste Amazon e-commerce we'll just do it so I learned my lesson in coupon point my fingers so in Tiki I was very self-aware not to do that at all Hiện nay Vietcetra Store đã mở bán các sản phẩm trong bộ sưu tập daily Vietcetra thiết kế bởi chính đội ngũ nhà chúng mình nhằm phục vụ cho các hoạt động thương nhật của bạn nếu bạn là khán giả trung thành và yêu mến nội dung của Vietcetra thì đừng bỏ qua các sản phẩm này nhé. Xem thông tin chi tiết và đặt mua các sản phẩm tại website store.vietcetra.com hoặc nhấp vào đường link ở phần mô tả để đến cửa hàng trực tuyến của Vietcetra. Okay, that sounds like it was a humbling experience in the, yeah, so, in the first few months at Coupang, yeah. Correct. So I did that already. So it's not like I was, um, <laughs> yeah, I did it, yeah. Great, great. Okay. So, so then from Tiki, obviously, now we have to get to maybe the most exciting part, which is about your new company called Startup Oi, yes. which is beautiful. It's English and Vietnamese together. Can you share a little bit about the company, uh, what it stands for, what it does, and also why you decided to go the entrepreneurial route? Yeah. So Startup Oi is... Uh, Yes, it's English and Vietnamese, but it's actually also English and Bahasa, it's English and Portuguese, it's English and Spanish, uh, it's English and Hindi. Uh, Oi means hey in a lot of these languages. So I chose this word to signify that this company was born in Vietnam, but mm. it is a global company. It will have a global context to it. So it basically, the word signifies hey in a very informal way in a lot of languages. Why I started Startup Boy? So if you would have met me six months back or yeah, six months back, and if you would have asked me, would you want to do something on your own? I would be like, no, I'm pretty okay in my job and it's, it's going fine. Right. Uh, why why I, would I do that to myself? It's kind of nice <laughs> to be employed, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, so I guess there's a right time and right place. So I, I do you know, personally and professionally interact with a lot of founders, whether, you know, in terms of, mentoring them or just helping them and this was this has been going on for last i think five years and mm. you know they come with very unique people related problems and specifically tech related engineering related problems uh, and sometimes i used to think that uh, why are they asking me this this seems to be very easy to solve uh, this doesn't seem to be that important to be asking but then you know my my, my husband also started his own tech startup and 
from last one year, he was coming for similar solutions from me. And then I realized that there's probably just a gap in the market, right? Mm -hmm. And then I started speaking to founders and trying to understand more. I started speaking to some engineers as well. So we ran some few surveys in Vietnam and Malaysia, Indonesia, uh, Thailand with, uh, with engineers to understand what's going on. How do they see their career? How do they see they want to be connected? And everything came up in the same way where... Uh, engineers do feel a need of having a platform where they can go and they can interact, they can chat, they can mm. code, they can attend events, but it's their platform. It's for them. It's just for them. So this, and, and then from a company's perspective, uh, we, we realized that a lot of companies talk about AI and they talk about uh, matching the jobs and matching uh, experience. But how would you do an AI for culture? Like how would you build something would an engineer fit in Amazon and Coupang equally if the same job description is there? No, they're, they're yeah. different companies. Mm. So there was a genuine gap. Then mm. there was a gap in like my husband is a non-tech founder and most of the founders of tech companies are actually non-tech founders. So how do they actually start scaling tech companies? Who yeah. interviews people? How, mm. how does that happen? So there are just so many problem statements that came up and we just decided to stitch them together. So... You know, mm. just stitch them together and ultimately, you know, come up with something which would be, uh, you know, helping the startups as well as helping bigger companies, but mostly catering to the startups as well mm. as also giving engineers uh, an experience of a community. Uh, so, you know, I was doing that and then I founded this idea of to Fook. Fook used to work with me in uh, Tiki. He was leading the talent acquisition for Tiki. And uh, he had left Tiki in January to try to do something uh, different. And, uh, you know, so I was just meeting him for a coffee and I said, you know, I want to do this, but I don't yeah. know when I will do this. Yeah. I, I, I am not ready. And uh, Rob, who is my co-founder, uh, Rob and I have worked in Tiki and we've worked in Coupang and Rob goes back to Amazon as well. So we have a lot of overlap and Rob worked with Facebook as well in its early days uh, of mm. Facebook. So, uh, you know, I met Rob and said, you know, I, I feel like doing this. And then Fook sent me a message one day. I was in a Chang on a vacation. I still remember. And he just tells me, I'll join next week. So I said, join what? You said, <laughs> wait, 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 next week? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? You're and in your I'm, idea stage, crafting yeah, your six pager, and correct, he already wants correct. to join? Okay. Yeah. So then I started typing him a message saying, um, maybe, you know, we'll start in December. And then I just erased it and said, there's never going to be a right time. I just right. have to do it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I just told him, okay, join. We'll figure Why it not? out. Yeah. And then uh, I went and I, you know, got into, uh, uh, got some uh, interns to help us with service because I want to start with the customer. Mm -hmm. I don't want to start something because it's my idea. Yeah. We, we started with the customer, did a lot of surveys in the region. I treated a plan and then also talked to Rob and Rob was super excited about it. So Rob said, mm. let's do it. Mm. Uh, and that's where we started. Right. And then on the side, we are actually now also working with a lot of startups uh, to understand their tech needs and tech talent. And we are mm. working with the engineers to understand what motivates them. So while we are building the product, we are still, you know, collecting that data, collecting that information to make sure that our product, when it comes out, is actually not that we go and now test it with the customers. So I see yeah. a lot of companies do that. First, they release the product and then yeah. they say, okay, let's go and ask what the customer wants. Yeah. So so uh, this is where we are. It's pretty exciting. We have 10 people already in the team. Uh, uh, the product is getting built as we talk. 
so yeah, it's an exciting phase. And why engineers? Uh, I because I just think that there is a genuine need in the market to to connect them because I think there is a lot of innovation hmm. that still can come hmm. uh, as as if they have a platform where they can can get connected. I know there is Stack Overflow, there's GitHub, there are a lot of those platforms. But I want to give them a feeling that this is a place where they can even go and just chat or they can just go and read some vlogs or they can just go and like create some forums of community of just playing cricket or just, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, making music. Uh, But in that way, also develop that community and that feeling of a community together. So this is why I picked up the engineering community. And I genuinely think from uh, from companies perspectives as well they do need to see a community together too. So, you know, it works both ways. Mm, Very interesting. And then obviously, you know, again, you chose the entrepreneurial path. You're now a founder, you're now a CEO. So that also means that instead of, you know, in a company, even if you're quite early on, there's a really big role for the people leader, for the HR team. Mm -hmm. But there are still other teams. In this case, it's you, and there's a co-founder, and there's early employees. What are some of the things that you kind of, you know, experience as an as an employee uh, that now as the owner, uh, as the founder of the company, um, you you basically put into place or maybe not? So, uh, you know, uh, there are a few things which which I, I picked up from uh, wherever I have worked and I want to I have seen that how it succeeds and what what helps succeed. Mm-hmm. So, uh I try to make sure that I get those ideas back. So the important things, you know, when we just started the company and we started, we are just two months old, actually, two and a half months old. So we made sure that we get our core values right to to say that whoever we onboard, right? We are we are young. We we do, and a lot of times we feel let's just get whoever wants to come because right now we just need people. So we should just not choose. But I wanted to be very clear that the foundation we are laying is the first 15 or 20 employees I hire really speak for what we stand for, Mm. right? So I make sure that we have our core values, our principles, what we stand for right in the beginning. A lot of companies just start thinking about it maybe when they become 100 employees or 200 employees. So we've already started implementing that in our evaluation system, Mm. in the way we actually conduct the meetings, in the way we are building the product, right? So a few of those things, you know, as I said, uh, as is there in our website as well, we talk about innovation, but we just don't want to put the word innovation. It's just so cliched. So, Mm. and we want to talk about customer obsession or uh, customer focus. So we tried to twist it in a way which sounds catchy to the people in our, and they don't forget it. So we, we said, cast spells, brew potions, build magic. So cast spells, brew potions stands for innovation and build yeah. magic is for our customers, right? So we tried to build those kind of values which will, which will uh, hold true. And the second thing which we try to do a lot is to ensure that our team thinks global. We are based out of Vietnam right now, but the product we are building will not cater to any boundaries. Once we build the product, it will just mm. go everywhere. Right. So every discussion we have, we force people to say, think global. Think, Don't think of a solution only for Vietnam. The, mi- think the of mindset a solution. from the beginning yeah. has to be global. Yeah. Mm. So these values are actually helping us patch mm. a lot of things together, yeah. uh, these six values, because then we can also ask people to relate to it and continue to you know, talk about the same things. Totally. We're a small company, right? So we always talk about, win with what you have. We don't have all the resources. 
right now. So we talk about whatever you have, try to make the best out of it. Don't yeah. ask for, I need this, I need that. Just try to make the best out of it. So now the team I have, uh, we spent a lot of time on these core values. So they understand mm. what we stand for. And we try to gauge that in the interview processes as well. Uh, so that's 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 the one thing. The second thing which uh, I wanted to make sure when we start the company was um, a lot of times I have worked with high growth companies or you know companies which are already big. We forget about transparency and communication. Mm. So I wanted to I, I and I have told my current team saying, you know, I'm telling you this, but keep reminding me that if at some stage you guys feel that we are not communicating, you don't know what is going on. What are we building? Where is the product going? Mm-hmm. How is it being built? Come back and tell us. Come back yeah. and tell and me, Rob and me, that you know we are not we are not sharing enough, and you guys don't know what's the vision, right? We may we may be doing that, but please come and tell us that. So that is one thing which we try to meet the team every week to show uh, to you know to see what what everybody is doing, so that people are connected well to understand what the engineers are doing, what the services team is doing, how we are collecting the data, so that everybody is like bound together by that. Mm. Uh, so for me, that's really important that being a transparent, high integrity, full communication company. The third thing, again, hire and develop the best. I'm actually hiring people right now uh, who show an attitude of saying, "Let's, I'm okay to do things differently. So for example, if I'm hiring a team, I hire, I'm hiring a person who is a recruiter. We are looking at tech recruitment. We are seeing which companies want tech. We want to gather data. But I tell this person, you're going to be a product manager once we launch the product. You're not going to be a tech recruiter. I will not be doing this after the product is launched because Mm. we'll have data, we'll have everything. Are you okay for this? Or you're going to be actually running a Mm. Asia level event management, or you would be actually, you know, having a part of the product, which you would be actually managing. If people say, yes, that's what I want to do. Yes. If they say, ah, I just want to be a recruiter. So maybe startup is not for them. Right. So because I want people to do different things and they yeah. see this emerge as a tech company yeah. and grow with us. Mm. So I'm trying to do this differently than very cliched saying, oh, you have tech recruitment experience or you are an engineer. Just keep doing that. Right. In fact, we are using our own engineering team also as a customer saying, does this sound right to you? Will you like it? So, so, you know, those are the learnings I'm trying to implement. Hiện nay, Vietcetra Store đã mở bán các sản phẩm trong bộ sưu tập Daily Vietcetra thiết kế bởi chính đội ngũ nhà chúng mình nhằm phục vụ cho các hoạt động thương nhật của bạn. Nếu bạn là khán giả trung thành và yêu mến nội dung của Vietcetra thì đừng bỏ qua các sản phẩm này nhé. Xem thông tin chi tiết và đặt mua các sản phẩm tại website store.vietcetra.com hoặc nhấp vào đường link ở phần mô tả để đến cửa hàng trực tuyến của Vietcetra. Very interesting. And then obviously all of that, that creation of the core values, the hiring of the first people that will be bigger than you, um, the building of the team, the meetings, everything has been done during a pandemic, yes. fully yes. remote. I, I what, haven't what met most of like? my team in person. <laughs> well, uh, see, I, I uh, it helps that, you know, I have that background where uh, I have been hiring people for the last 16 years of my career. So it helps me to gauge some part of uh, people's uh, people's uh, you know aspirations, mm-hmm. um, and it helps me gauge whether you know I, the first thing which I really tell them is we are a startup and we are going to fail a lot. There will be a lot of things we are going to fail at. We we do, you know we are doing things and we are also learning on the job. Right. So if you think you ready failures, for that? 
yeah, if you think failures is going to be a big deal for you, don't come here because, you know, I can't manage that. Yeah. So that's the first thing I start mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. saying that uh, that's going to happen, right? Like, uh, I, I, I don't know any startup in the world which just says we got everything right and that's where we are, right? So I yeah. need people who have that. Uh, I need people who have a global uh, mindset of, uh, you know, I, I, I try to work with on them on a case study to see that whether they can actually think more on a global scale. Can they think of scale? Can they think of this is not going to be just a Vietnam product? This is not going to be just an Asia product. It may be all over the world. Am I giving the right solution to it? So uh, it's more about uh, me understanding those skill sets than really saying, what are you doing right now in your job? Because... Mm. The skill set we can, we are just a startup. The skill set we can still build. We can still, you know, let people experiment. But if they don't have that attitude, it will be yeah. very hard for me to scale that, mm. right? So I, I, I want that kind of a scale that, that that's there. So, so yeah, so uh, it was not hard for me to really hire people. Yes, of course, people are shy of moving jobs in a pandemic, which I think every company is facing right now in Vietnam, oh, yeah. particularly mm. uh, people are not very sure of uh, whether they should move into jobs, especially into startups. So um, uh, I think uh, it's important to give people a sense of security and ownership, which Mm. I do right away uh, Mm. to tell them um, where we can fail, what can happen, what is the worst case scenario that can happen, right? Like if, if, and that gives them more of a sense of security because I'm putting all my cards on the table and saying that, don't worry, we are not going to shut down, right? Yeah. We have yeah. we have built things. We come with experience, and this is where we are going to grow. It also helps to give them some of the people who really want to do different things. They get sold very fast because they're so excited about saying, you know, we are valuing them just not because they are a software engineer or they're just a tech recruiter or they are just an admin. We are valuing them because we want them to build a company with us, right? Yeah. So, and if they think that that's value, they're hired. If well, it think, sounds oh like God. one of the things that that really stands out to me is that it it sounds like they're really being brought in to be part of a core team that's going to build this company together, rather than just oh you know you're an early employee no. and you know you're you're hired for your skill set. They really come there to be a Not part of all. that first twenty people that then will Correct. build the company together. Hmm. Correct. Very frankly, I, you know, I'm, I'm talking to, so I don't say interviewing, I'm saying talking to every employee we, we hire, even though Rob is there to do the hiring, Fook is there to do the hiring, so we can always, you know, divide and rule. Uh, but at the same time, I do want to show them everything. I want mm. to show them the, the pros, the cons, where things can go wrong, where things will go right, so that they are well prepared when they come in. I don't want to show them the rosy picture of always like, Tech startups are awesome. They are just Mm. like so cool. I want to just tell them that what everything it entails. It entails sometimes working on weekends. It entails sometimes, you know, starting right from the scratch again because things have not worked out. It entails entails doing something which you had five employees to do in your previous company, but it's just you. It's just going to be you now. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. You are the team. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's incredibly important because really what we're talking about is that, you know, not only they are trying to let you know why you should choose them, you're obviously telling them why they should choose you, but you also very clearly show, you know, if you don't align with this, if this is not your kind of thing, please feel free to say no, because we are trying to build that team of people that will take this company to a certain level. Um, And so then it's really important to know what it is and what it isn't. Absolutely, because for me, losing those people 
like for them it's easy to say it in two weeks saying okay we don't like it because they did not give us the right picture and leaving for yeah. me that's very expensive right yeah, that's extremely. a huge cost for yeah. me just not yeah. in terms of monetary it's in terms of time i miss a lot yeah. of time yeah so i i just need to i just want to make sure that the people i hire they have absolute idea of what they're getting mm. into <laughs> mm. yeah absolutely yeah i think a lot of people hire when the need is there right even in more established companies you kind of know that someone's leaving and then you start the hiring process yeah. where then you're kind of already a couple of months behind because you really would ideally take the time to find that right candidate to make sure that they fit with you and you you fit with them so you don't lose that time on getting someone to the final stage sending an offer letter onboarding yeah. them getting them in getting them fully educated on how everything works and then after two months someone saying this was a really great learning experience but i'm gonna yes. move on to something else absolutely yes i and absolutely until we are small you know uh, i also believe that every small step we take we take the team along like when yeah. you know the small small uh, wins like we we built our own website we did not uh, really go to an outsourcer to build it uh, every design is by us uh, every word is by us you know so the small things where um, we got the team together to say does it look right does it not look right what mm. do you think can be better mm. and they mm -hmm. came up with ideas they came up with examples and you know we implemented all that so we 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 believe that this was like a team effort of how yeah. we built it right so small thing if you just think about it it's just a website but it was really a good exercise of getting everybody together some people are shy in the team you know some people do so we actually created a google sheet to say if you don't want to talk just type it right type it so in. yeah so they typed it in so and uh, keep looking at the website because we were having issues in terms of latency so they would type in immediately when saying now it's not loading right so so yeah. so it was uh, you know getting the whole team together i also want to create an environment which is different for them than just like i go to a corporate job great so this is also a great lesson for companies who are trying to find ways for team bonding during the lockdown yeah just build a website together <laughs> great yes. team bonding activity doesn't only save you money <laughs> you actually... or leadership or leadership principles or leadership right. principles define right. your build... culture yeah define your culture great great uh, great team bonding and then obviously you're looking forward as i'm sure everyone does to kind of at some point get out of the pandemic get out of the lockdown yeah. what's that going to look like because again you you've built this company fully uh, fully during the lockdown yeah. you haven't met your team members yet what is that first day kind of after lockdown look like are you going to sit in an office somewhere are you going to invite all of them for coffee what's that going to look like i'm a great fan of remote working you know that right uh, but i do think that having an office is having an identity it's something of uh, identity of who you are what you stand for uh, what a culture you are trying to create so definitely we will we will have an office uh, once we build the product uh, once we once we go for the right funding i do want to make sure that we leverage on every best employee in the world mm. so for me it still matters that we hire the best talent across the world so no matter where they are no matter where they are no matter what time zone they are uh i don't believe in number 2 i always believe in number 1 i always strive for number 1 uh thankfully i have rob as well who also strive we have the same value where we say we are not okay being number 2 mm. so the idea is that we still want an identity of startup boy from vietnam in vietnam with a nice office uh I believe that office is an important part of how you engage employees even if they're sitting remotely. Right? They have an identity of saying I work with this company which is located out of here, mm -hmm. right? And 
hopefully, you know, we can get all our employees some point of time to come visit and see the culture, understand more. Uh, but yes, the office, the office will stay. The office will be based out of Ho Chi Minh. But uh, the talent would be wherever the world takes us. The world is our playground is one of our leadership principles. So I completely abide by getting the best talent anywhere in the world. Love that. Love that. Okay. So then you mentioned a couple of times Vietnam. So maybe to close out the interview, a couple of questions about Vietnam, if you're if you're yeah. ready for it. Yeah. Okay. Yes, of course. What, Don't ask me to you... speak in Vietnamese. That's a... no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that to myself either. <laughs> okay. So, so the number, the the first question is, what do you love most about Vietnam? And you cannot say the people. Cannot say to to who. You cannot use to, to the Vietnamese. <laughs> People are the thing I love most about Vietnam. What do you love most about Vietnam besides the people? I like kiosks. So uh, I, I, I like the kiosks. Uh, I like, uh, you know, as I said, I like ambiguity. I, I don't like things structured. Uh, I, 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 I'm okay with things not going exactly how they're supposed to go. Mm. Like I, I lived in Singapore for a long time. Mm. Um I'm okay with train not coming at 12.01 and coming at 12.10. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I like that challenge in the day-to-day -day life where things are not exactly going to go exactly how they are planned. Mm -hmm. So I like that vibe about Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Vietnam gives me that vibe of you step out, your day is not going to be what you think it is going to be, right? So it can be frustrating sometimes, but I'd rather have that. So I, I really like that, right? So Basically, um, in a way, Vietnam is one big startup. Yes, yes. And I also also feel that, you know, if you are wanting to achieve something, hmm. there's a way to achieve it here. Yeah. Right. So so that's another thing which I, 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 I really, you know, it's not people related. But again, I do think that people here are pretty flexible in changing, moving things, doing things differently. Uh, so that also basically represents the country. Which is why yeah. I came back. You know, we had options yeah. of moving to US, Europe or Thailand. But I said, no, we're going to go back to Vietnam. Yeah, it, it really is a fantastic place. And so people was obviously then going to be my second question. Um, so I'll make it a bit more specific. What mm -hmm. do you like most about uh, the people in Vietnam, about Vietnamese people? I think that's I think all of us can relate to it, Dan, to say that uh, when people are working with you, they're just not working in the in for work they there is a personal relationship that gets mm. built with people mm. uh which would never you would never forget like i'm still in touch with people in prudential in 2010 who used to work with me and when you meet them it's just like these are just friends right mm. so that's very that's unique to vietnam in a lot of ways where people uh at work treat it as a family it's more mm. of like this is my work family and this is my house family uh so that has its own warmth into it. So uh, I really like that. And I also write the, you know, the mode of uh, we'll manage to get it done somehow. Hmm. It's not always like this is the rule. This is how it is. It's more of like we'll hustle and get it done. Yeah. So I like that approach, you know, like saying that we'll get it done. So, yeah. Maybe that's why Vietnam is such a great startup country, because that's kind of the attitude that you want to have when you're when you're building something, something new. Yeah, now I have now after living here so long, I just know that if something is getting, you know, pushed back, just say, I don't care. I just want it. Get it done. And it'll mm. get done. <laughs> you know, so I have understood that you just need to push people to say this is good and they'll do it and they will just figure it out. They'll mm. figure out a way. Yeah, great. Um, and then the last question about Vietnam, 
you know, what do you think about the future of Vietnam? You're obviously building that in part with a global company based in Vietnam. Where, where do you think Vietnam is heading? Well, we all know it. It's going towards the, towards the way of the Silicon Valley. I guess uh, uh, Vietnam is seeing half a million engineers right now and it's ever growing. So people are a lot, of, a lot more engineers are passing out of the universities. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I guess Vietnam will become much more of a, you know, a, a, a global platform where a lot of people will be living here from all walks of life. A lot of Vietnamese will be moving out as well. Uh, I honestly believe that the future of work is going to be very different. Mm. Uh, for me, I think future of work is not going to be associating yourself with one particular company. Yeah. You know, it would be basically working with projects. Yes, whatever projects you get, how you get it. Well, it will be still companies' roles and HR's role to be making sure that there is a certain culture, value, integrity, uh, you know, uh, is related to that. But at the same time, I believe that people will not get associated with just one company. They'll get associated with work, yeah, what work totally. they are doing. Mm, mm. And I think Vietnam would be one of the one of the countries which will be in that uh, uh, you know, domain very early. It will, mm. it will start. I think it's already happening a lot where I know a lot of people who are working with the remote companies in three, four different companies and three, four different projects. So it's already yeah. happening. Yeah. Right. So I feel that that's just going to get better. Uh, that's and just and why is it that? Yeah. Why is it that Vietnam has that ability to be so global in a way and to kind of like unlock that talent to the rest of the world? I believe that it's probably somewhere the seeds of tech were sowed at some point of time. And um, uh, I guess that that gave Vietnam a platform of having a lot of engineering universities, a lot of tech courses to be available, which is not true for most of Southeast Asian countries. Hmm. The number of uh, universities, the number of engineering courses here have uh, are really a lot. And the government puts a lot of effort in promoting uh, the tech sector as well. Right. So I guess... Uh, and also, hopefully, uh, you know, with some of the companies maybe going public at some point of time in tech, I think that will give Vietnam a huge platform to also think more about tech. I think once some of the big giants start going public in Vietnam, it will definitely mm-hmm. earn a name where people would want to work with tech companies. People would understand the value of uh, having stock options and ESOPs and accountability of a company, growing startups. So I do think Vietnam is just one step away from it. It's going to come very soon. It's going to come to that stage. Okay. Well, there are almost no better words to close out this interview than with <laughs> with that. It sounds really, really beautiful. And, and it's also really good to know that now for the engineering community in Vietnam, there is Startup Oi, and I'm sure we will link to it uh, in the description of the, uh, of the podcast. So Sakshi, thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. I know this is in a time where it's very hectic and you're doing a lot and you're building a company. So thank you so much for joining and for sharing your wisdom. Uh, and of course, thank you everyone for watching or listening. Really appreciate your, your time and attention. Hopefully this was uh, inspiring in many ways uh, for everyone here. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Team Vietcetra. Thank you so much. Vietcetra's Vietnam Innovator Series is only one of many podcasts hosted by the team. We also have Have a Sip, hosted by our VP of Content, Thuy Min, as well as the Vietnamese edition of Vietnam Innovators, hosted by Vietcetra's Chief Operating Officer, Ruby Nguyen. Look out for more podcast production soon from the Vietcetra team. You can also check out the video version of this podcast on our other platforms such as YouTube and Facebook. New episodes are out every week. 
So don't forget to subscribe to Vietcetra's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube channel for more interesting content. Hey guys, the Vietcetra app is finally here. You can download our app on the Apple App Store right now, and to our Android users, the app version is coming to you very soon.